This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. In your, in, in your Bibles, I'm just going to real quickly go there. Our anchor scriptures are in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, as well as Psalm 91, focusing on verse 3. And again, um, you know, this, 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 this is a teaching about times and seasons. And, and um, you know, my, my, my time for, for my portion is, is quickly coming to an end. But, you know, God, God, is, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. And, and in this teaching, the, our objective was to really, you know, as, as we go into the, this season, as, we, as we, we, we're coming out of the, the holidays and we're entering into this, this next phase, and especially as we as we take you know observation of what God is doing in this ministry, that we don't allow ourselves to become distracted, that we maintain our focus, that we don't allow the the cares of this world to choke out the Word of God. And so my 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 focus in my teaching was really about how to avoid distractions in your career. And and you know as I as I studied that. You know, what I really saw was, was, was God's design for living. God's design for living. So, as I was looking at this, you know, I really saw the, uh, the focus, my focus being in, in Romans, um, the book of Romans, where it says that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, Romans 12 and 1. But let's go to Ecclesiastes Verse, uh, verse 3, uh, focusing on verse 1. And what it says here is that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. It says there, there's a, a season to everything. And according to to God's design, there is a set time for His purpose to be accomplished. If you look in Psalm 91, it starts off in the first verse talking about, He that dwelleth in a secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So we know that in, in, in Him, in the Lord, is our protection. And then in verse 3, if you jump down there, it says, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. As sure as God is God, you can trust in Him. Deliverance is made available so that you can escape the snare of the fowler. You know, I really want to encourage us to avoid distractions in our career and to remain focused on what God is doing. We're going to talk tonight about the snare of the fowler and how, how it presents itself in the context of your career. And those things that your career presents in order to draw you away from the purpose of God. And when we're talking about career, we're talking about, you know, the things that you do for money. We're talking about your educational pursuits. 
I just want you to know we're also talking. We're not just talking to to you all that are that are, that are still in your in your early years getting started. But you know, change happens in every season, right? So, some of you all were just offered that promotion. If you would just take on a few extra responsibilities and come in a couple of weekends a month. Some of you all have been offered that dream opportunity. But, you know, they they're saying that it's, it's going to require you to possibly spend some time overseas. You know, you might have to spend three weeks in Singapore and we'll bring you home for one week. It's OK. It's all in the package. We got it all worked out. You know, change happens at every phase of your career. Some of you, you know, are, are real similar to myself and some of my brothers. You, you didn't put in your 20 plus, your 30 plus years, and you're thinking about that next phase. And distractions are there too. You know, how do I define myself when I don't go to this place and do what I've done for the last 30 years? Who am I still? And so we don't want you to we, we don't want you to lose focus as as these different changes are happening in your life and in your career. And really we said that the, the way to remain focused is to understand God's design for living. In Romans twelve and one, uh, the writer says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and what I love about this scripture is that it says that you know this, this it only makes sense it only makes sense that you would present your bodies to God and I love that it calls that 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 it, that it names it and it calls it a living sacrifice because we know that based based on scripture there's context Within the, the, that term sacrifice, we, we, we know scripturally what it means. But, you know, also we, we have in our society, you know, this is how this is how the enemy works. He, he tries to take words that have a biblical meaning and he tries to change them slightly. And so 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 for us, you know, in, a, in our common context, that word sacrifice means that I had to give up what I wanted. I had to compromise. I had to skimp. I had to skip out. But you know, that's not, that's not God's idea of sacrifice. God says that, that you were who were deserving judgment. You who were found lacking and, 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 and without merit. See, mercy is extended to those that, that rightfully deserve judgment. And if we examine our lives, we know that we deserve judgment. If we examine our lives, especially our lives outside of Christ, we say, well, you know what? That life really wasn't too much. And so what, what sacrifice is it for me to give up? For me to give up that old life and to take on a new life in Christ? What sacrifice is it? Where's the compromise? Where's the, where, where's, the, where's the cutting corners? Where's the exchange? It, it seems like i got to upgrade. That which I was was worth nothing. 
But that which God has promised is worth everything. My life outside of Christ was, was considered, I considered it to be worth nothing. But my life in Christ, I considered most valuable, most precious. And so the scripture says to make our, to, 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 to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because it only makes sense. It only makes sense. Now, if you like the way things have been going and you're just fine with, with the way things are, then that's you. But if you're ready for change, if you're ready, if you're ready for what God has in store, then present your body a living sacrifice. God, God's design for living is, is, is based on sacrifice. It's, it's based on fully committing. We say that this burnt offering... It's, it's the first offering that's described in the book of Leviticus. It's, it's the most expensive offering that you could give. Why? Because the entirety of the offering was consumed. There was nothing left over. The, 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 the person, the, the, the worshiper, the worshiper would, would place their hands on the sacrifice as a point of identification saying that I know that this sacrifice is clean and unblemished. It's been cared after. It's been looked after. It is a worthy sacrifice. But my life, my life is stained and spotted. And so this sacrifice is dying in place of me. And we know that in Jesus Christ, he is the fulfillment of the burnt offering, that, that type and shadow that God gave to Moses and the priests. That in Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, as a, as a man before God, full of the Holy Spirit and power. That he laid his life down for our sins. And if we would just be the worshipers. You know, there, there, there's, 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 the, there's the, the offering, the offering is what the offering is, but, but the worshiper has to, has to put their hands on the offering. They have to identify with that offering and say that my life, what I am, I place inside this offering. I'm not holding anything in reserve for me, but I'm em emptying myself out. All that I am, all of my aspirations, all of my dreams, I place my hands on the offering. And as it is consumed, it is accepted before God. We said that a, a key component of keeping your hands on that sacrifice is that we have to, we have to understand how to, how to dwell. We have to understand how to be in the place where God is speaking. Where we can hear from God and receive directions from God. In our context was in Genesis 35. First one where God is talking to Jacob and he tells him to go to Bethel and to dwell there. And the reason is because Jacob had been many places and done many things. 
But God says in Bethel, that's the place where I appeared unto you. That's the place where you could hear me, where you could take instruction. In your, in your moment of distress, you thought you were running from your brother Esau. But you were running into the presence of a holy God. That we have to learn to, to dwell in that place where God is speaking to us. That we must remember that, that our life is, is for the Lord's use. It's our life is not our own. Our life is for the Lord's use. And we have to remember that the Lord, He is our God. The Lord, He is our God. It is Him that gives us the power to get well. It, it, it's, it's not what we've done on our own. It's not even for our own pleasure, or for our own consumption. But he gives us the power to get well, to accomplish his will. And so now we have to think about, well, what, what does it mean when you say wealth? If wealth is only, if the only purpose for wealth is to accomplish the will of God, then, then I need to not be thinking about these bitcoins or these doges or these dollars or these stacks. What is true wealth? We said that wealth is that which draws men into a relationship with Jesus Christ. What, what does it profit a man to gain the world and to lose his soul? And what, what kind of exchange could there possibly be that you could offer me for my soul? There is none. There is none. And so we have to understand and recognize the snare of the fowler. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. What I love about the book of Proverbs is that, you know, they're, 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 they're snackable. They're snackable. You can, you can consume one of these every day. And when the month is over, start all over again. But, but in, in these words, even the simple, even the simple can become wise. Proverbs chapter 1, reading at verse 17. It says, Surely in vain the net is spread in sight of any bird. It says it, it's in vain that the, that, the, that, the, that the fowler's devices, if they're obvious and they're out in the open, what, what bird would get tricked by that? And so let's, let's, let's talk about the snare, the snare of the fowler, and the, the devices and the tricks that the enemy has to keep you from your career. The first thing that we have on the list is, is the first trick or the first deception of the fowler is, is making you think that you don't have to work. The first deception of the fowler as it relates to your career 
It's the fowler makes you think that you don't have to work. That, that for whatever reason that you are in a special place, that you are blessed and highly favored, that you're in some position that doesn't require work. That because of who you are, you're kings and priests, you're, 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 you're God's child, that you don't have to work. That there's no effort that's required of you. You're like, brother, I don't know what you're talking about. But you know. You know. If you examine your life, you'll say, you know what? At some point in time, I didn't actually think that I had to work. I thought that they should have just gave that to me. In fact, I got mad when they, I said it was because of my color, because of my gender, because of my age, because of my speech, because of my schooling, whatever. Because I thought they should have just given that to me. Don't they know who I am? Don't they know who I serve? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know who you serve? That's the first trick of the enemy is to make you think that you don't have to work. What is work? Work is effort that is required to be expended to move something from one place to another place. Listen, if it was going to go there by itself, work wouldn't be required. If it was going to move there by itself and just kind of drift over that way, there would be no work required. But if you want to get something from here to here, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to work. You're going to have to expend energy to cause this to move from one state to the other state. We get, we get offended and upset because they say that effort is required. Because they say that hands are needed, that labor is needed. And we'll talk about that. So, you know, one, one thing we talked, um, you know, before the holidays, we talked about truth. And, and one of the things that I have been thinking about was, let's talk about the truth about manna. Let's, 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 let's give a little bit of truth about manna. Because people talk about manna in the same context of, of, of spiritual money. That God is going to just, that just like God rained down manna in the wilderness, that he's going to rain down money and opportunities on his people. So let's get some truth about this manna. And some other people, they, 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 they get it twisted too. They say, well, you know, that manna was, was for that season. Manna is no more. That God, God is not providing opportunities anymore. Not like that. So go to Exodus chapter 16. Let's, let's, let's understand what this, what this is. This manna. Exodus 16. Is it okay if we read the Bible tonight? Amen. We're going we're to touch it on the, in the Old Testament. We're going to hit it in the New Testament. We're going to show you how it's relevant to your life today. Exodus 16. Starting with verse 14. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, they lay a small round thing, as small as the oarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, 
they said one to another, it is manna. Like we don't know what this is. For they did not, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. One thing you need to know about manna is you're going to need the man of God to help you to understand and see what the manna is. Those of you that, that, that complain about the pastor, that complain about church leadership, about the need to submit to a local body of Christ, you know, there's manna. You just don't see it. You don't even know what it is. God's servant, God's general, had to tell them, this is manna. And God gave it to you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. Listen, this is, what, this is where it gets real. God's servant, God's general gives instructions. In verse 17 it says, And the children of Israel did so. That's, that's where the work comes in. That's where the work comes in. And gathered some more, some less. And when they didn't meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Let me explain to you what this manna is. God, God sent his provision for the people in the wilderness. He gave instructions to the people to gather it in. Listen, he didn't put a chicken in every pot. He didn't, he didn't fill the cupboards. He said, listen, the provision is there, but you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to work. And the people, they believe God. The people believe God. And they worked. Now, did they work the same? No. Some people worked more, some worked based on their abilities. Listen, they, they, didn't have to, they didn't have to compare and, and, and look at paychecks and see what, their, what the tithe envelopes had to say. Some had more, some had less. But everybody worked. They all put forth their strength. And guess what? This, 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 this is where we miss it. And when they did meet it out, that word meet, that means measure. When they measured it out... With an omer, that's a, that's a unit of measurement. He that gathered much had nothing left over. And he that gathered little had no lack. As the entire body put forth their strength, and it was obedient to the word of God, those that had, those that had more, they didn't have an abundance left over. Those that had little... They, they were not left lacking. But everyone had according to his eating. Everyone had what they needed. Everyone had what they needed. That, see, the enemy tries to make you think that you don't have to work. 
He says, well, we're in the wilderness. Where is God's provision? He says, you want to know where God's provision is, you need to know where is, the, where, where is God's servant. If I want to know where God's provision is, I need to know where is God's servant. Because I need to hear. I need to hear from God. we would just learn to stop running around trying to get a word, trying to eat off of every plate and listen to what God is saying to this body. What he's saying to the people that are here. If we would put forth our hands and work diligently in faith not looking at what the other person is doing, but doing what doing your part. Doing your part. Then whatever God has called us to do, we can do it. And those that have a little, they won't find themselves being stretched. Those that have a little bit more, maybe they got lucky, they won't find themselves becoming wasteful and proud. In their, in their things. Second Thessalonians, you all gonna make me, we're gonna, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, For even when we were, when we were with you, this we commanded, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. He said, I've heard, I've heard the report. That some of you all have gotten lazy in your freedom. You've allowed your minds to wander. You've become distracted. And you've lost your focus. He says, I just want you to know that, that if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. Now, what does that mean? Was he trying to starve the people? No. He was trying to motivate them to get back to work. Because the, the, the fowler was distracting them. He had them tangled up to thinking that they didn't need to work. Listen, on this topic of work, if you go into debt, you need to be prepared to come out of it. Listen, I, I, I love you students, and I, I think your education is vitally important. If you go into debt, you need to be prepared to come out of it. I love you entrepreneurs and you business owners. And you all that, 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 are, that are striving and trying to do something different. If you go into debt, you need to be prepared to come out of it. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that your business is not for you. Just on a natural tip, okay? Your business does not exist for you. It does not exist for your pleasure. If you're in business, the only reason why you're in business is to serve your customer. If you're not in business to serve your customer, you need to lose everything you have and you need to shut those doors. Because you are not in business for the right reasons. We see too many examples in the media in a corporate America, of people that have set up these entities only to gratify themselves. And we idolize these people and we make them into heroes. 
that lose billions and billions of dollars every year and shift economies and cause people to move and, and go and break up families only to leave them with nothing but the hype. Listen, I've known too many young people in defiance of their parents or trying to win the favor of their parents that knew that they were not prepared for higher education, that knew that they were not mentally ready, they were not emotionally in a point where they could be trusted to go to classes, where they could be trusted to study. They couldn't even be trusted to take out the trash. And now we're going to give them $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. And here they are, $80,000 in debt. And all they have is a high school diploma in a couple of semesters of college. And they're young, so they don't think anything of going into default. And they get these marks against their credit. And so now that they have a family... And it's time to move into a house. And it's time to make provisions. Their name is worth nothing. You've been distracted. Somebody told you that you were entitled to an education. Somebody told you that you were entitled to be an entrepreneur or a business person. Guess what? You're not entitled. It takes work. It takes work. Listen. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm just going to read it to you. I don't have a lot of time here. But it says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with the stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. What that's saying is if, if, if you made a promise, and somebody gave you something on credit, based on your word, you need to make, make every effort to make your word true. Now, what does that mean? You know what? That means that some of you, you're, you're pursuing degrees that you had to go into debt for. And you say, well, I'm going to use this degree and I'm going to go into the, into the community and I'm going to help the poor. And I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be generous and just donate my time. Guess what? You're $150,000 in debt. You cannot afford to help the poor. You are the poor. So what do you need to do? Now you need to go and present yourselves to whoever can give you the money. You need to maximize your income to deliver yourself. I told my testimony of when I decided that I, would, I, I, I was not going to pursue opportunities you know, outside of the city or outside of the state, even if they were opportunities within my field. You, you know what? Brother Eberhard, he had a plan. He had options. The reason why I came to Texas, among other things, is because Texas paid for me to come. So when it was time for me to make a decision on how I would spend my time, I didn't have any debt to worry about. I didn't have anyone to answer to but myself. 
Oh, and I had to answer to myself. I had to answer to myself. I was the first person I had to answer to. I had to say, are you prepared to live like this? Are you prepared to live in these places to drive these things? And I said, for your glory, yes. For the sake of the kingdom, it's not a thing. I can do this. Then I had to answer to another person because guess what? Somebody uh, was liking me at the time. And the now sister Everhart, I said, I said, listen, this is how I live. This is where I live. We had an apartment on, on North Lamar. I don't even understand how people live these days in these little tiny boxes. At least we had a bedroom and a living room and a kitchen. You know, and I, and I, had, I had a certain style of living where I didn't need television. So I didn't have a TV in my place. I just lived a very simple life. I, I didn't need very many things. I, I lived on very simple foods. I had a very sustainable lifestyle. And I said, this is how I live. Are you willing to live like this? And she said, sure. She must have agreed. But you know what? Later on, or, or, or while, we, while we're going through our marriage counseling, um, you know, they were asking questions about money and, you know, what you thought about the other person and their attitudes towards money. And she said, uh, one thing I know about Ronald is I know he'll work. So one thing I know about him is, is I know he'll work. True words have never been spoken. Truer words have never been spoken. Listen, if, if, you're in, if, you, if, you, if you're going to get into debt, you need to be prepared to get out of debt. You need to have a game plan to get out of debt. You don't need to consider your debt as a badge of honor, as an entitlement, as look at, look at, look at the dues that I've paid. You haven't paid any dues getting into debt. You know when you pay your dues, when you wanted to go work at this place, but because they are only paying a minimal salary and this other place pays you market rate, you go work at this other place. My son was talking to one of my one of my nephews that has a computer science degree. And he was, you know, they were talking way over my head about these different languages. And and, uh, and he was saying that, that he wasn't, you know, extremely excited about the job that he was doing uh, because he was doing a lot of uh, conditional lookups or whatever, you know. You all might know what that means. It probably means nothing. But he wasn't excited about what he was doing. But what he was excited about was what they were paying him. He was excited about what they were paying him to do that. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this. But I'm not going to get tricked by the money. I'll, I'll save as much as I can. And I'll continue to write and script my own things on my own time. Because that's, that's, another, that's another trick. They think that work, the enemy makes you think that work is an end unto itself. Work is not an end unto itself. Your work is not your life. Your work is not your life. Your work is just a means to gather resources. Make sure 
make sure that for every assignment that you get that you didn't want to do, that when you get that next check, that you say, you know what? This check was for that assignment I didn't want to do. I will not waste this check. I'm going to put that away. I'm going to store that up. I'm going to use this and do what I want to do. For every time they tell you to do something that you don't want to do, you take that money and say, I'm going to use this to do what I'm going to do. Now, when you take that money and you go to Amazon or you go to Best Buy or whatever your, your flavor is, Williams-Sonoma, and you waste that money, or you go out to fast food places and you waste that money, guess what? You've just, you've just agreed. You've just agreed with your employer's uh, decision about you their assessment of who you are and what you can do. When you waste your salary, you are in agreement with your employer's assessment of who you are. They say, this is all you are. And this is all you can do. You know what? Your words matter. So be careful with your words. Number two. The snare of the enemy. This is his trick. Making you think that your work is only for your benefit. Making you think that your work is only for your benefit. In Acts chapter 4, if you look in verse, at, the, at the end of that chapter, as the church was being added to and multiplied, we see that, that, that people that had lands and possessions, that they sold those things and laid it at the apostles' feet. For distribution. You know, I don't know why, but for some, whatever reason, the scriptures that God was leading me to, you know, as I look in these scriptures, every single one of them, in terms of how to avoid the distractions, tie into the local ministry. You know, these people, they didn't sell their lands and make distribution themselves to those that they thought were, were in need. They sold their possessions and they said, I'm going to lay it at the apostles' feet. Whatever you all think needs to be done with it. It's, it, it's no longer mine. It is a gift. There are no strings attached. I'm not going to monitor. I'm not going to ask you for an for annual statement. I'm not going to ask you to itemize your expenses and see how much went to administration versus how much went to those that actually were in need. But I'm going to give it and I'm going to lay it at the apostles' feet. And it says that great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. Listen, you have to, you have to see this to understand the, the, uh, the lesson about the manna. Acts chapter 4. Just jump to verse 34. Acts chapter 4, verse 34. Listen to the words that they're using here. It says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. As many as there were, possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of these things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Doesn't that remind you of the manna? Everyone gave what they could give. They, they, they put in the work and did what they needed to do. And everyone... Everyone's needs were provided for. Yeah. 
Those that had much were not overblown in their much. They were not prideful in what they had. And those that had little didn't suffer lack. So listen, the enemy makes you think that your work is for your own benefit. That it's your money. That, that, that you have full possession of it. That I, I made this. I can decide what happens to it. You know, we talked about that burnt, that burnt offering. Where's your hand? Is your hand in your pocket? Is your hand on your wallet? Or is your hand on that sacrifice? Because if your hand is on the sacrifice, then you're saying that everything, everything that I am, I identify with the sacrifice. Everything. That they, they, there's nothing that, that I can withhold. There's nothing I can hold back. It's all for your use, Lord. Another example that we'll have, and we have time to do this, is we'll look at in Genesis chapter 50. The enemy makes you think that your work is for your own benefit. Now listen, I know some of you all are in much debt and you're not liking what Brother Epard is saying tonight. Listen, if you got a way to pay back your loans, then do it. Then do it. If you, get, if you, if you can make a way, then make a way. But don't, don't put yourself in a bad position on hopium. And, and wishing them. Hoping and wishing. You know, I saw this thing where, where uh, for, some, for some workers, if you, if you work 10 years, they'll, they'll forgive you your, your loans. And there's other, there are other, other types of programs like that. I want to caution you. I want to caution you. That whenever someone tells you that if you work, I'll forgive your debt. Be careful of that. Read the fine print. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself like, like my brother Jacob. He worked seven years and he thought he had one. And he found, he found out he needed to work another seven years. Because he didn't read the fine print. And you know what? If, if you're willing to work ten years for nothing, why don't you work ten years for something? It's still work. You'll still get tired from it. Guess what? If it's good work, you'll still be helping people. They just be, be people that aren't, you know, poor. There'll be people that can afford to pay your rate. They can afford to pay you. <clears throat> That's for somebody. Genesis chapter 50. This is Joseph. You know, talk about someone that, 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 that knew he had to work. It wasn't necessarily, listen, the reason why Joseph was successful in the position where they, where they placed him is because Pharaoh knew that he could kill Joseph anytime he wanted to. Joseph was a stranger. Joseph was not a nobleman. He didn't have lands and, and, and families and possessions 
that were backing him up. And so Pharaoh knew that at any time that he wanted to, Joseph could be erased. And things and he could blame he could blame any misstep on Joseph and, and find favor with his court. And so imagine being in that position. In all all these years, his his life, he's spending serving this nation, serving the Pharaoh. And to what to what end? To what benefit? Verse 19. This is his brothers. They're, they're afraid that, that Joseph is, is because they, they believe Joseph is in a place of power. They, they, don't, they don't understand the full picture. They don't understand that, that Joseph's power, there's, there's limits to what Joseph can do and what he can't do. If, if Joseph, all he has to do is, is maybe eat too much at a meal. Drink too much at a meal. Say the wrong thing to the wrong person. And all this power and this position that you think he has can be just wiped away. Because he's expendable. That's why he's in that position. Joseph says to his brothers, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So here it is. Joseph was in a position where he knew what the score was. Many of you are in a position where you don't really feel appreciated like, like you're getting the respect or the recognition that you deserve. But don't you know that you're not working for yourself? You're not, you're not working for yourself. But you're working towards God's purpose. Who's to say that, that, that all those people that, that showed up when, when our dear sister had made her transition, they came from her job, that, that, that the testimony that she had when she was there didn't lead them into a closer relationship with God. That's what we mean by true, true wealth, true riches. Joseph, Joseph was, was more than willing to show love. To his brothers in their houses. He was not willing to hold back. To hold back the good. That God had intended for his people. See you think that that you're keeping your hands in your pocket. That you're keeping your resources for your rainy day. But God is saying no. That's... That's, that's bread that needs to come into my storehouse. That's, that's meat that needs to be brought into my house. Joseph was not willing to hold back the good that God had intended for his people. Listen, the, the, the story about the, about the manna, you've got to understand. You have to understand the truth about the manna. There were those that, that were covetous. There were, were those that tried to, to hide in secret away, extra for themselves. But for all those that tried to secret away manna, when they went back to it, it was maggots. 
It was maggots. It, was, it wasn't good for anything. So no, Joseph was not willing to withhold the good that God had intended for his people. Even if he had tried to keep it for himself, it would have become maggots. That's, that's what happened to your income that you made last year. That's what happened to your stimmies. You tried to keep it for yourself and it became maggoty. Listen, what the enemy tries to do, number three, is he tries to get you to despise the work that you've chosen to do. The enemy tries to get you to despise the work that you chose to do. Here it is, you went and you applied for that job. You got dressed up in some cases for that job. You put on your best face and best smile. And you said all the right things. And now that you're working that job, you despise it. You talk about the people. You talk about the work. You can't believe they would ask you to do these things. Listen, if you're a garbage man, you're going to be picking up garbage. That's the job. Why are you complaining about the smell? If, if you, you, you said you wanted to be a garbage man. Why are you complaining about being a teacher talking about the kids? Did you not know that there were going to be kids? You said you wanted to be a teacher. Did you think that maybe you were going to be teaching plants or something else? You, 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 the, the enemy tries to get you to despise the work that you chose to do. The work that you chose to do. And it's all so subtle. Listen, he does it. He does it in your job. And the next thing you know, he'll, he'll do it in your family. He'll have you talking about your own family, about your own spouse. He'll have you talking about your own kids. Now, if anyone should love your kids, you should love your kids. They're yours. They're yours. I'm sorry, Sister John's your children. Because they're not baby goats. If anyone should love your children, you should love your children. Come on. The enemy will get you to talk about your church, to talk about your ministry. And why is that? To get you unfocused and distracted. In Luke chapter 16, it talks about a, a, a servant that was called before his master because there was, a, there was word spread around that he was wasting his master's goods. And he tells the servant, you need to give an account for your stewardship. You need to give an account for your stewardship. That means that the work that you're doing is not just for you. You don't just do it according to your own standard and for your own pleasure. I think that that's fine. No, what were you told to do? What was the instruction that was given? What is the organization trying to do as a whole? Luke 16, I just want to focus on a couple of places. It says, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called unto him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of your stewardship, for thou mayest no longer, thou mayest be no longer steward. 
And here it is. The, the steward is, is one that, that is given charge over the master's possessions. They're not his own possessions. But in exchange for having charge over the master's possessions, the steward is taken care of. The steward is well provided for. And here the steward was afraid to beg. He was afraid to be cast down. He was afraid to be humiliated. So he went out and he struck savvy deals with all the master's uh, debtors to make, to, to, to make collections and collections. And Jesus says, he says, I want you to understand in this example that, that no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He says, what two masters are you talking about, Jesus? He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the things of this world. So even as, even as you're working, just know that your work is not unto yourself. It's not for your own benefit. That your work is unto the Lord. That even as you're doing the thing, that you, even as you're, as, you're, as you're picking up those trash cans, as you're chasing after those children, that it's not, you're not working for the money. Your working is unto the Lord. That, that, that true wealth may, be, may accrue to your account. And what is true wealth? that men and women may have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Just making your notes, Colossians chapter 23, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It says, Servants, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. That whatever, whatever you do. You know, I want to make sure that I, I, I put the emphasis on when we say that you, you choose the work that you do, you choose the work that you do. It's your choice. The scripture says, whatever you do. So, so God is not going out there making you. God didn't make you take that job. He, he, didn't, he didn't assign you to that supervisor. It was, it was your choice to join that organization. And guess what? All you were was a post-it note on an organization chart, and they moved your post-it note from here to here. And that's how you got that supervisor. Now it's, it's up to you to work as unto the Lord. Now it's up to you to work as unto the Lord. Listen, the last thing I want to touch on, the snare of the enemy, is that he tries to get you to put your career, he tries to get you to put your work in a place that only the Lord can occupy. And I see, I see this so often with, uh, with, with young men where they... They have a natural desire, and, and, and it's a good desire, it's a good need to, to, um, to express themselves in their independence. And so they want to make sure that, 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 that their house is well provided for. And also, men have this thing where all you have to do is, is, is uh, give them a little stroke. Give them a pat on the head, a little badge. 
Put a name tag on there. They're your soldiers for life. They're your soldiers for life. And they'll, they'll find themselves becoming lost in the work. They'll say, oh, I can, I can come in before 8. That's not a problem. You need somebody to stay after 6? I can, I can do that. You mean I get a sticker? Yes. Listen, teachers know all about them stickers. There's power in stickers. There's power in stickers. They work. Listen, you, you, get, you get lost and you put, you put your career in a place that only God can occupy. They say, but why don't you come in on the weekends? But why don't you go to these places? And why don't you do these things? And the next thing you know, you find yourself that you don't even recognize yourself. And you, you, you come to a house that you don't even recognize the house. That you don't recognize the people in the house. That you're, you're, you're sleeping with this person and you don't, you don't recognize that person. All you have in your mind is this, is this lingo and this jargon and these terms that in the scheme of things mean absolutely nothing. You have these KPIs and metrics in your head. And that's all you've occupied yourself with. You, that's what you've been meditating on day and night. And you're like, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand her anymore. It doesn't seem like we have anything in common. And God forbid so-and-so at the job, you know, gives you a stroke or says hello the wrong way. Happens to get you a cup of coffee while she's getting hers. Oh, my goodness. Brothers, you all are so easily distracted. So easily distracted. Listen, you, you can't put your job in a place that only God can occupy. They, they say Jesus at the center. When you keep Jesus at the center, now all of a sudden you always have something for your family. You always have something for your wife. You always have something for your children. And it's not about revenues this quarter. It's not about margins. It's not about shipments. It's about this is what the Lord is saying. Because when it's all said and done, when you're laid out or put inside of an urn, None of that other stuff is going to matter. All that will matter is what your children will say about you. I remember when we would spend time together and we would just go for walks and we would just talk. And these are the things that my father shared with me. This is what my grandfather told me. This is what I remember about him. Listen, I don't have time for this, but I'm just going to I'm just going to um, put this out here. Jesus was was led into the wilderness to be t to, to be tempted. And he was he fasted 40 days. And what I love is that the scripture says that it was after the 40 days that he became hungry. Listen, you, you, you thought that you were fine because while you had to wear your mask and while the mandates were on, you, you thought that you were good. But it, it's after. Yeah. 
It's after you think it's over. That's when the enemy comes. That's when the enemy comes. And the first thing that he does is he tries to present Jesus with, with the temptation. He says, why don't you turn these, these stones into bread? And Jesus tells him, it's just, I just love the way this all connects back to the manna. He says that, that man doesn't live by bread alone. See, the manna was never about the manna. It was about trusting in God to provide. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The enemy, he's trying to trick you and to draw your attention away. By first of all making you think that you don't have to work. That work is optional. That you, that you, are, that you are in a place, a spiritual plane that is beyond work. You know, one of the hardest working men that I ever knew was our founding pastor. Was our founding pastor. And I, I mean, laboring, laboring in the word. You know, if, if you try to walk out there or get out there in the, in the water with him, you find yourself needing a life jacket. Calling for help because he could drown you quick. I, I, I've never seen a more diligent worker than our current pastor, Pastor Alvin Hill. See, just because you, it's, it's not what you think it is, oh, there's, there's work going on. There's work going on. The ministers know that when an assignment is handed out, that work, work is gone forth. She chops off a big old slab of meat and tells us to, to, to try to dice it up so that people can eat it. And we're like, ah, we're trying not to choke on it ourselves. But the enemy makes you think that work is, is, is not necessary. Then he makes you think that the work that you do is only for your benefit. And you forget that, that the work that you do is not for your benefit. It's not that way in the natural, and it's definitely not that way in the spiritual. The enemy gets, tries to get you to, to despise. And I love that this season began you know, with, with Thanksgiving. And then it proceeds into a season of, of, of giving, where we give and exchange gifts. You know, typically in the Christian calendar... After all of that, now, now, we're, now we're in the season of sacrifice. Now we're, now we're in a season of, of putting away in anticipation of the resurrection of our Savior. The enemy tries to get you to put, to put your career and your work in a position that only God can occupy. And it's all so subtle. I, I mentioned stickers and badges, but to be honest with you, that's really all it is. I've been at this company for almost 25 years, and I look back at, at, at the little 
doodads and, and knickknacks that I've gotten. And I'm like, I could have got this. I could have bought this myself for five bucks on Amazon. You mean this is this is a five year reward? This is a ten year reward? This is a twenty year reward? I can find this very this exact same thing in the gift catalog on Amazon. It only cost me twenty bucks. Get get uh, Sister Martin to give me a little vinyl stickers and write on there. You know, congratulations. So, family, let's not allow our minds to wander. Don't, don't miss what God is trying to show us in this season. I just came back from visiting relatives in the Dallas area, and sure enough, there was that construction. And there's always construction on the roads that you thought that you knew the most. That's, that's, that's when distractions come, when you think that you know where you're going, when you think you know what's happening. Then something else, something has changed. You have to pay attention. Otherwise, you're going to have to backtrack and you'll miss out on where you're trying to go. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.